Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Help the McGrath Foundation make this NRMA insurance pink test one to remember. Buy your virtual seats at pinktest.com.au. The scoreboard here is telling us that there are 162,249 virtual seats sold so far. And there is an element of today that's become something of a telethon. So maybe it does help with the fundraising. But I think the overwhelming sentiment is... What a shame and feeling that is the Chief Executive of Cricket New South Wales, Lee German. Lee, welcome to SEN Test Cricket. Thank you very much. What a shame, eh? <laughs> it is a shame. It's teased us. It's rained a lot. There's been uh, moments of sunshine where people, particularly in our room, have got excited. Uh, but we're, I don't think we're going to see much today. There's the lovely march of all the pink shirts of those who have been impacted by breast cancer, those who have had their lives enriched by the McGrath Foundation. We saw all of that this morning and then that sense of expectation there was 20 plus thousand in um what is it of all the days to be washed out this is just about your worst case isn't it it's such a special day you know and, and we were talking off here obviously and i'm not from sydney but i've grown to understand very quickly how special this test match is and how special this day is um you've got friends over from new zealand who wanted to come to just this day and so it does mean a lot to a lot of people so look it's a shame uh, but it's the sport we live in, you know, in terms of cricket, the world we live in, in terms of the weather, and it's uh, it's one of those things. As a cricketer, you need to be philosophical about it, don't you? Do you know how many people you might have had if the day had been fine and sunny? I, I'm not aware of that. I mean, Cricket Australia would know. They'd have yep. a better idea than us. How, how costly? So, obviously, Cricket Australia runs the gate. Is this costly to Cricket New South Wales? Uh, indirectly, uh, but not directly. So, in a, in a previous arrangement, Cricket New South Wales would have been adversely affected by the lack of gate today. Uh, but I think it was around about six years ago that the sort of the funding arrangement and models changed between Cricket Australia and the States, where the, the States said, look, we're carrying a lot of risk here. You, uh, one year you might have New Zealand and Sri Lanka touring, and our revenue will be dropped significantly. Yeah. Uh, we can't afford to work our way through that as a state organisation. So there was an exchange of value, if you like, and Cricket Australia then said, OK, we'll, we'll give you almost a guaranteed amount of money per year but we'll take back the rights to international cricket. So yeah, we assist and we help with the game, but it's largely Cricket Australia's match, this one. But it is so important for us to have it here. So the damage is reputational. It, Come on, Sydney. Reputational, that's, <laughs> that's right. But also indirectly in the sense that it, 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 if it adversely affects the, uh, the flow of money into the Australian ecosystem, cricket ecosystem, there are downstream impacts potentially on the States. Do we need to talk about the timing of the Sydney Test, Lee? If you'd like to. Is, it, is, is this the best window for it? So Rick Finlay keeps the numbers. This will be the 26th day of Test Cricket, entirely lost terrain at the ground. The next worst is the MCG with nine, and then we're talking five and fewer. Mm. Is, is this the wrong climactic time, mm. separate to the occasion? Well, you might be asking the wrong person because I've only been here just over five years. Um, and what I, what I would say is that there'll be no guarantees, no matter where you take it. We can't control the weather. The weather patterns are changing. And in fact, from a risk perspective, weather has heightened in regard to our sport. 
lack of soil in New South Wales is largely a result of flooded riverbeds, for example. We can't get soil out to put into our turf wickets. So how do we guarantee that if we were to shift it, where it would go, and would it be better? Statistically, it sounds like it would be. But I also understand, as I said before, what this means to Sydney and the importance and the special nature of it. And yeah, I, I couldn't make last test match until day five because of COVID, yeah. but I was here day five, and what a wonderful last day that was. Um, and that is what this game can bring to the city. So, yeah, I would not be in support of shifting it away from this, this window. Um, what we do need to, I think, consider is how we can get our cricketers playing for longer on the field in, you know, at the moment what is deemed as suboptimal conditions. So what are the impediments there um, and what we saw in day one where rain is one thing but bad light is entirely different? Yeah, it seems that the, well, there's, a, there's, an understand, there's a perception issue here. Uh, in terms of general public as well, you know, because the floodlights are on at the SCG. Yeah, we don't come off for one-day cricket. Why are we coming off for test matches? Um, yeah, my view is that we need to be progressive in how we look to change this. And so at the moment, it's, it's actually not acceptable, I don't believe, for us to be just walking off the field in times of bad light. And I, and I say that because we are a sport that is competing in a, in a global competitive landscape. You know, the fans are here wanting to watch sport. It's on the radio, it's on TV. You know, fans generate a lot of the money that goes back into the sport. So we need to find a way in which we can actually change that. I, I don't understand what would be the issue, for example, of going to a pink ball. And people say, oh, it's, it's changing the nature of cricket too much. Well, as you and I know, cricket has changed significantly. And in fact, has often been the first mover in change. And we shouldn't be scared of actually doing it for the right reasons. Some of the players may not want that, but uh, some of the players didn't want day-night test matches either. Yep. So you're an international cricketer, so I think you've got good standing in this. So you would be comfortable within a day's play that when we got to bad light, the red ball was replaced by a pink ball? Or a white ball. Or whatever is you know, corresponding. And it may well be that you, at the moment you have a box of balls ready to go yep. as replacement balls. They're, they're marked 30 overs, 40 overs, 53 overs. You may well have the corresponding white ball there as well at times of bad light. So you know that you've played 50 overs with the red ball. That corresponds through your testing to 43 overs with the white ball, as an example. It might be like for light. Go in there. The bad light has come in. We have to change the sight screens. Fine, we'll do it. It'll take a little bit of time, but we'll do it and bring the white ball on. For me, I don't understand why that would necessarily be an issue. Now, the, the bat, batters out there might say, oh, I'm having to adapt to a white ball now. Well, you're having to do that all the time anyway. So I, that would be my soul for the issue. Yep. What about the lights here? Is it so? These are not the LED lights. Is there any um, project that would see them become the latest technological lights? Uh, well, there is. There is a uh, at the moment. You know, we're we're in support of a master plan approach to the yeah. SCG, and and part of that is actually ensuring that this is a wonderful ground, and and I just love looking out at the aspect of the SCG and seeing the members' pavilion and ladies' pavilion. But there are elements of this ground now that are far behind what would be accepted from a contemporary perspective. In fact, the players' dressing rooms is probably one of those, <laughs> but they're of such historical significance yeah, yeah. that players put up with it. I think as part of the master plan approach, we should be looking at what is the latest lighting, what is the level of lighting required, um, and SCG should be at the forefront of world venues. Are there, I don't know whether you know the answer to this, mm. but are there different levels of lighting from these towers and on day one 
we weren't at maximum capacity for whatever reason in the balance of day and night lights? Not aware of that. Okay. I am aware of the different lux levels required, but I'm yep. not aware of any uh, discrepancy or disparity between the, the light readings. So. Yep. How proactive can you be as Cricket New South Wales on, uh, on these fronts that we're talking about? Uh, we, can, we can look to lead. Yeah, and, and at the moment we're we're hosting each day of this test match. We have government representatives there that we are hosting. We've just produced an infrastructure priority booklet that asks government for support to look at projects, and the SCG master plan is one of those. So we can play, I believe, a leadership role in assisting and helping and trying to bring parties together for the benefit of cricket. The SCG would be one of those. Others would be regional content and bringing top cricket to Newcastle, for example. So our role is very much to play a leadership role in, in growing our sport and growing our game. The SCG master plan is a key part of that. I suspect we're in the same topic on that front when I ask you, why did you release the statement yesterday around the run-out at the non-strikers end? So I think I think it's important we change the language away from MANCAD, so it's not by accident I call it that. Why, why did Cricket New South Wales want to be um, proactive in that yesterday? Uh, primarily because we see our role as assisting, educating, communicating and, and leading our cricket family. Um, and we saw the um, misunderstanding you know, around that particular form of dismissal. Uh, we saw uh, Adam Zampa um, you know, uh, be, be vilified to a certain extent for what he did. Um, and I think it was important that we also acted on some anecdotal feedback that we'd had from underage matches and non-professional matches where this had occurred and had created great angst, you know, often between the group's appearance, by the yeah, way, not necessarily yeah. the players. Um, and so we felt that we needed to come out with a public statement in light of it having, I think, probably been um, yeah, exacerbated by what Adam Zampa had done, Mitchell Stark in the Test match, uh, for example. And personally, I think it's become more and more prevalent. And I, I just look back to the Sydney Thunder won their first match against the Melbourne Stars at Canberra. I think there's one run needed, one wicket to go. It ended up being four buys. But my vivid recollection of that is that by the time the ball had got to the keeper, the non-striker was at the striker's end. Yep. And so I think we've, we need to understand that this is a legitimate form of dismissal. I know it's been discussed a lot. But also give, if you like, support to our umpires, to many of our volunteers, to say that this is legitimate. In fact, if you talk about contravening the spirit, this is where the misunderstanding yes. is. It's, it's the batter at the non-striker's end that is more contravening the spirit than actually looking to gain an unfair advantage. So the reason we did it was that I, I don't, believe we need more debate or more clarity it's clear it's in the laws of the game it is a law it should not be called a man cat and I think that's contributed to this yes that you need to it was an, I think it was an article recently to destigmatize it you might need to depersonalize it yes and I totally agree with that it's a dismissal at the bowler's end or non-striker's end it's a run out so that's the reason we chose to do so. Can you give us a picture, anecdotally, what does it look like in the suburbs, at junior cricket, at, at club cricket, where it's clearly more prevalent and it does cause unrest? It, it does cause unrest, and this is largely anecdotally. So another question I had yesterday was, like, oh, so has this led to you know, code of conduct uh, approaches? Or No, no, it hasn't. But anecdotally, and we are very fortunate, I believe, at Cricket New South Wales, we've got board members who are... Totally at the grassroots side of cricket. John Knox, our chairman, his daughter plays cricket. Kevin Green is still heavily involved with St George, etc., etc. And many of our staff have children that play and we're out there. So we do hear of these things. So what it has created is almost a, 
it's almost uh, an opposition to the fact that this dismissal has occurred. And even in our lounge today, people were talking to me about saying, you know, this occurred to me. One guy said, I play, I play veterans, and it's happened. Yeah, and, and suddenly we're, we're at loggerheads against each other. So it is there, it is out there. It's really unfortunate, I think, the way it's been understood or misunderstood, and uh, we, just, we just need to clear it up. I think, in my own mind, it's pretty clear-cut. Do you, so over what period of time do you think it might be normalised? I don't think it will take long. Okay. And I think what would help is if we were in a position at the professional level to somehow monitor it technologically. So at the moment we do the no balls with the third umpire. I think one of the biggest deterrents that could occur here is if that was also being monitored. And so, for example, if a batter leaves the crease early and the third umpire sees it and they run two, one short is signalled by the umpire. I tell you what, if you lose a game because you've left the crease early, you'll stop doing that. If our role models and our professional cricketers stop doing it, our youngsters won't do it. Yeah, and so I think that's one of the ways in which we can really create some swift change in terms of the interpretation of this. Yeah, yeah. It feels like the best minds in cricket are, are all in the same direction, right. and now we've got to practically get that through each level of the game. And maybe maybe the T20, maybe the BBL is the best theatre in which to do it because that inch matters so much at the other end. Yes, it does. And, and the batters are getting the benefit of technology in a lot of ways. You know, the, the home by a millimetre, whereas probably previously with the naked eye of the umpire is probably out. Yeah, And I know it works both ways, but you can't have it both ways at both ends. Yeah. So I think the BBL would be a great way because often things are trialled within the BBL as well. And if we can lead the way internationally, then I think there's a role for you know, cricket in Australia to do that. Lee German is the Chief Executive of Cricket New South Wales with us on SEN Test Cricket. Uh, I just want to disclose to you to make sure you know, Phil Jakes is part of our broadcast team at this test. Mm. So you made the change to the men's coach within season. What is, is Cricket New South Wales men's program not performing to the level that, that historically you would expect and that you would feel the role of New South Wales is in cricket in this country? Well, I'll start by stating that... Um, We've won a number of titles in the last few years. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And Sheffield Shield being one of those, you know, the, the One Day Cup and, and BBL as well. Um, so if you look at the Blues performance over the last few years, we've won titles. If you look at the Blues performance this season, obviously it's been disappointing. And Phil would say that too. You know, coaches understand that as well. Um, the important aspect of this is that you know, there comes a point in time we say, okay, what needs to happen here? And it what is the right time for that change to occur? And, and we just felt that it, it just, rather than say wait to the end of the season, it, the time was right to make that change at this point in time. Um, yes, there's a strong history and tradition of New South Wales producing great players and winning titles. Um, we should not ever use as an excuse the fact that we provide a number of players to the national team for not winning titles. And and by the way, Phil never made that excuse. Yep. But we should not. We should never make that excuse. So, yeah, we're cognizant that winning titles, producing great players, are two of our key objectives. They're actually not our main objective, by the way. Getting young kids to play the game is. Um, but you know, in any professional sporting environment, it is essentially about results, development of the cricketers, and there often comes a point in time where a change does need to be made. Did you have concerns around the development of the young players within New South Wales cricket? Yeah, there's some concerns there. Um, but you also look at the careers of young players and 
Yeah, upon selection, I was talking to Rachel Haynes in, in the back of the booth that very, very rarely does it go on a straight line upwards. <laughs> yeah, often we wish they did. Um, so, you know, we've got some young players in there. Jason Singer, Matthew Jilks, Baxter Holt as, as keeper, the Jack Edwards of this of this world. Um, what the failures do for them is actually build a really strong resilience or help to. And often these young guys haven't tasted failure coming through. They've been heavy run scorers and underage. Um, so yes, there was you know, probably some frustration from everyone that they hadn't kicked on, and development of players is really important. Um, but you know, on the other side of it, Phil and his team had given the opportunities to these young players, and I think that in itself takes courage and bravery too. Are there the trends of um, participation in? And I think New South Wales is probably the best measure nationally around around cricket because of the storied history. Are they uh, increasing? How, how, what are the modern trends in taking up cricket? Yeah, so this is where you know, we, we need to be very truthful and honest with ourselves. And I think we haven't necessarily been as a sport, as honest as we should have been. So over the last five years, in my involvement here, the last four years I've heard that numbers are increasing, sports in a positive light, etc. The reality is that over the last 20 years, the participants choosing to play cricket as a percentage of the population has halved. Okay. Minus 50%. Yep. Now, what that tells you is a changing demographic within the population, certainly. But um, that's a significant drop-off. Of the um, 5 to 12, 5 to 15-year-olds that choose to play sport in New South Wales through a club, uh, 4% choose cricket. 20% choose soccer. Now, that's dropped as well. And so my answer to you is that, you know, this we can, we can broadcast that numbers are increasing through smoke and mirrors. Yep. And often it's in an attempt to actually keep track with other sporting codes that, to be honest, are probably doing the same. Um, or we need to assess the honest truth here and say, right, our sport is not what it used to be. Yeah, it's, there's still some fantastic elements to our sport. It's a national sport. It's, it's you know, uh, so many different positive aspects to it than other sports. But it's not being played as much in schoolyards. You know, the, the population are not growing up with a cricket bat in the backyard as much. And we just need to adapt to that change. Because my own view is that it's such a wonderful sport. And it builds such character in, in the people that play it. And it can add to society and families and kids in so many ways that we have a duty to get as many young kids playing the game as we possibly can. In order to do that, we actually have to know what, the, what is the truth at the moment. Yep. And so, therefore, what do we need to change and where do we need to focus on? Are you at a point of having theories around what you would change and what you would focus on? We are, yeah. And look, uh, in the last five years, and Belinda Clark was a, a, you know, the strong mover in this regard. Yep. You know, junior formats have changed. We still have a perception in cricket that uh, cricket is a game that runs for the whole day. Yeah, and you've got parents in modern-day life saying, I don't want my child to play cricket. I don't want to go and sit alongside a cricket oval for a whole day. A whole day? I haven't got time for that. I couldn't think of anything better, by the way. <laughs> but that's still the perception. The reality is that at our cricket blast level, they go for one hour, two hours. So we haven't done a good enough job actually promoting and marketing what we can offer as a sport. We haven't done a good enough job promoting um, what our sport stands for. So you can play some other codes and you may not get a chance. You play junior format cricket, everyone gets a bat, everyone gets to bowl. Everyone gets an opportunity. Um, so we need to you know, instill that, um, that belief, that understanding of what our sport stands for um, as well. And we really need a laser-like focus on getting the young kids to play the game. 
And so at Cricket New South Wales, our number one goal is to double the number of 5 to 12-year-olds playing our game by the end of the season 2026. Yep. That's not far away. It's very aspirational. It takes a laser-like focus. And also an understanding of, okay, what would get them to play the game? Why do they want to play the game? They want to play the game because they love it. They want the, the, the opportunity to uh, be part of it with their friends. You know, it can only take an hour or two hours to fit the modern society. But unless we have that you know, increasing cohort of young kids playing the game and loving the game, our sport is in trouble moving forward. That's the top of the funnel for us, yep. and that's really what we need. There's also very strong economic reasons for that, by the way, that 80% of all revenue generated in the Australian cricket ecosystem is generated by people who have played the game or are playing the game. So there's a very good reason, if you look at a flywheel, yep. for us to get young kids playing, as many young kids playing cricket as possible. And in terms of club cricket, so those who are no longer in the pathways, but those who play it for the sheer joy, has that recovered from the pandemic? Was that how significant a disruptor in um, the existence of clubs, competitions, the numbers who are playing? What does that look like on a weekend in New South Wales? It varies right across the state. You know, and the one thing I would say is that the regions within New South Wales are so important to us. You think of country New South Wales. And 50% of our participants come from the regions. And that's from half the population. So that shows how important yeah. it is. Over 50% of our contracted players come from the country. And many of our great players have come from the country, as you know. Um, so what it's looking like, it varies across the state. Generally, you know, in our younger age groups, we're at levels above 2019-20 before the, before the pandemic, which is great. That's very you know, um, positive news for us. It's encouraging. At the senior level, we're slightly less than we were last year. So that suggests that in Premier Cricket there's five grades, you've got a limited amount of players. Um, so that, that is sort of, the supply there is limited in some ways. But there is still a challenge to keep our people playing, playing cricket. Let me just finish where we started. So this is the pink test, beautifully known as such. Is there any serious contemplation to making it the pink ball test as well? Which is a question we've <laughs> yeah. had repeatedly over the past couple of days. It would solve our light issue. It? <laughs> it might do. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It wouldn't solve our rain issue. Uh, I don't know is the answer. Yeah. Um, should there be? Yes. Absolutely. Why not? Why wouldn't you contemplate it? And you can imagine a, a, a day-night test in Sydney. It would be fantastic. Yeah, you'd spill out of the SCG into the wonderful uh, city centre. Um, whether you need to do it, I don't know. But it, yes, absolutely, it should be contemplated. It's like anything within our sport. We need to continually be evolving, not for the sake of evolving, but to make the game better, to appeal to more people, to, to make our game even stronger. And yeah, we've got a real challenge in a, in a competitive global landscape moving forward to compete against other sports. Yeah, we're not making enough money to probably pay our players what they are expecting to be paid moving forward. We're not making enough money to really invest into our juniors playing the game. So we need to look at ways in which we can do that. Actually, I did want to ask one more. Around the, the BBL games that you're about to stage, so Adelaide's had 40,000 on New Year's Eve. Melbourne had 38,000 for their derby. I know you've got the Thunder Stars coming up. Is Are there some really big dates of BBL cricket which are about to be staged in Sydney beyond this test? Yeah, so we, well, we have two derbies. One is actually during this test match, right. uh, which is on uh, the 8th, so Sunday. Yep, it's the 8th, isn't it? Yes. Sunday, um, Thunder play the Sixers at the Sydney Showgrounds. Um, and ticket sales are looking fantastic for that, so we're expecting a really big crowd. And then, uh, you're testing me here, Jerob, I think it's January 21st, I think might be the uh, yep, <laughs> second smash here at the SCG, and that is one to watch, because that 
will be Warner against Smith. Yes. Uh, two guys who are very competitive, you know, hugely respectful of each other, but very competitive. And this is what getting our local players to play our domestic leagues can do. It's fine having your draft for international cricketers, and I think we've seen some great cricket this year in the BBL, by the way, as well. Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing more important to the heartbeat of our domestic game than having our best players play it. So that's something to really look forward to here. So can you feel the upswing in BBL after some dormant years? I can, and, and even pre-Christmas to post-Christmas this season. I think it would be fair to say the Sydney and Melbourne markets have not picked up as quickly as the other markets around the country. You know, Adelaide, 40,000. The Gabba crowds have been good. Perth is good. Um, but I've seen since Christmas... A real uplift, and and also around the 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 commentary and the narrative around BBL. We've seen some good cricket. Yep. I mean, last night's game was incredible. The chasing down the two twenty. Yeah, yeah, at Albury recently, the Thunder played at Albury. Over ten thousand people packed that ground. Over two hundred runs scored. So I've seen a real uplift um, post Christmas. We've seen that in people wanting to come to our games. So that's fantastic, and it bodes well for the future. Did you give anyone a ring when the Thunder were bowled out for fifteen? I was there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was, and my my uh, tradition at the City Showgrounds is that when Thunder's batting second, I'll start. I'll walk around the. So the Showgrounds is a wonderful venue because you can walk around the ground and watch cricket. You you see every ball bowled. So I started my walk to circumnavigate the cricket ground as we started batting. I think by the time I got around the other side, we were eight down. <laughs> I just kept walking out to the car and, and drove home. It was an incredible night. Incredible. Because nine dismissals behind the wicket, and everyone was nicked fine. Keeper, first slip, and I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, incre- we're, we're, we're lucky that we've got a coach such as Trevor Bayliss in charge. Phlegmatic, yeah, philosophical, and I think... You would have had to have been as a coach in that circumstance. Yeah. And then they are beating the Scorchers over in Perth. I know, yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, your biggest test can, can test you totally, can't yeah. it? And, and the good thing from the Thunder perspective is that they've, they've bounced back. And, and that's great. Always enjoy the chance to have a chat, Lee, during this test match. So thanks Thank for coming by. No problem. Thank you. Lee German is the CEO of Cricket New South Wales. This is SEN Test Cricket for Host Plus, an industry super fund for all Australians.